Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 Support Call. This call happens at this time, which for me is 9.40 Pacific Time. It's 7.40 Mountain Time, 8.40 Mountain Time. No, 8.40 Texas Time, which is Central, and um, 9.40 East Coast Time. Thrilled to have you along with us this morning. It's Wonderful having you here with us on a Tuesday. For those of you that do not know who I am, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon, welcoming you to the call. And if you ever miss these calls, you can pick up pick them up on an application called SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts through. And by putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, T-R-90, or Solutions, the Digital for anti-aging, and they'll pop up. They've been now archived back 11-plus years. Thrilled to have you along with us. If you're listening to this and it's a podcast and you want to join us live, dial in to 1-712-775-8972. And when it prompts for the code, put in 910022. Excuse me. That's what I get when I drink a hot cup of tea. Um, and you can join us live. Thrilled to have you along with us. So for those of you um, that are on the Tier 90 journey, when you're first starting out, it's that one really good, clean, lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein and at least three of those meals, 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise, drinking plenty of water to stay hydrated, and for proper hydration, you should be drinking one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking 50 ounces of water daily. With the caveat being that if you're exercising heavily or in a humid area, you'll need to increase that so that you're offsetting what you're losing in body moisture. You should be getting seven-plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. Those fruits and vegetables will give you macronutrients, micronutrients, and they'll give you fiber. Guys should be getting about 45 grams of fiber daily. Ladies should be getting about 32 grams of fiber daily. That keeps things moving through your system, keeps your system in good working order, and helps prevent a lot of other issues. You should also be getting seven to nine hours of good quality sleep a night, which leads me into our topic for today, which is having to do with um, sleep. The information is coming out of a book from Superfoods Health Style, Simple Changes to Get the Most Out of Life for the Rest of Your Life. And it was written by Stephen G. Pratt, MD, and Kathy Matthews. And I'm just going to jump right in. And it starts off with a health style basket case. Every now and again, I encounter a patient who is in desperate need of a complete lifestyle makeover. This patient typically has a poor diet, is highly stressed, and is physically inactive. Here are my instructions. Go home and go to bed. You can't live healthfully if you don't sleep, and chronic sleep debt makes other health activities difficult to achieve. You won't exercise if you're exhausted. You won't make good food choices if your appetite control is out of whack. 
as it will be if you're sleep-deprived. And you sure can't control stress when you're struggling to stay awake and function on a high level. I prescribe a full week of adequate sleep before you begin about setting other healthy goals. When you've achieved that, then you're ready to take on all of the health style challenges. So, the first one is close your eyes to avoid diabetes. Data from the Nurses Health Study shows that healthy women who reported getting less than five hours or more than nine hours of sleep were more apt to develop diabetes in the last in the next ten years than women who initially averaged seven to eight hours of sleep. A sleep debt of three to four hours a night over a few days can result in metabolic changes that mimic the pre-diabetic state. Perhaps one of the most interesting recent findings about sleep is the effect that it has on obesity. It's interesting to note that an American's nighttime sleep duration lessened by one to two hours over the second half of the 20th century. The incidence of obesity occurred over roughly the same time period. While sleep deprivation alone doesn't explain the rise in obesity and diabetes, it surely plays a contributing role. One study showed that the less sleep you the less you sleep, the more likely you are to become obese. This study conducted at Columbia University demonstrated a clear link between the risk of being obese and the number of hours of sleep each night, even after controlling for depression, physical activity, alcohol consumption, ethnicity, level of education, age, and gender. The study subjects were aged 32 to 59, who slept four hours or less per night, were 73% more likely to be obese than those who slept seven to nine hours per night. Those who got only five hours each night had a 50% higher risk than those who got a full night's sleep. And those who got six hours of sleep were still 23% more likely to be substantially overweight. In another study, adolescents with greater sleep disruption or generally poor quality of nighttime sleep also demonstrated lower daytime activity for each hour of sleep loss the odds of obesity increased by 80%. So trying to lose weight while suffering from a sleep deprivation is like walking up a down escalator. You may find yourself trying very hard and getting nowhere. One of the reasons that sleep seems to have such a dramatic effect on weight is the intimate relationship between sleep and hormones. When you experience sleep deprivation, your blood levels of leptin, a hormone that acts as an appetite suppressant, appears to decrease. Leptin is a hormone that's produced by fat cells and it helps to regulate your appetite and metabolism. High levels of leptin help you to eat less, while low levels increase your appetite and cause you to eat more. In a study on sleep and leptin, it was found that the subjects who slept less than five hours a night had a significant decrease in leptin and additionally a significant increase in ghrelin, a hormone that triggers hunger. Another factor when considering the relationship between sleep deprivation and obesity is perhaps more obvious. 
When we're tired, we're less likely to make good choices about healthy, health-related activities. It's difficult to keep up with exercise routines or to cook a healthy meal if you, you are just totally exhausted. So getting sufficient sleep not only contributes to your long-term health and your overall performance, it also helps reduce your chances of becoming obese. So how much do we need? Well, while we know that the adequate sleep is crucial to optimum health, we don't know the precise amount of sleep to recommend for everyone. We do know that we age over as we age over a lifespan, our need for sleep seems to change and diminish. In the first days of life, our total sleep time is roughly 16 hours, falling to about 14 hours by the end of the first month. At six months of age, we're sleeping about 12 hours. This amount declines by about 30 minutes each year through age five. Adolescent, by adolescence, we're sleeping from nine to 10 hours, and as adults, seven to eight hours. There are, of course, individual differences in the needs for sleep and the ability to sleep. We know that women have greater need for sleep than men on and on average, though they retire earlier than men and fall asleep faster. They report more time spent awake during the night and generally poor quality of sleep. While not getting enough sleep is clearly associated with increased health risks, so is getting too much sleep. In the Nurses' Health Study of 82,969 women, Responding to the questionnaire revealed that those who slept five hours or less a night had a 15% greater risk of mortality compared with those sleeping seven hours, but those who slept nine hours had a 42% increase in risk. Other studies have reported similar patterns. I recommend, and this is Dr. Pratt speaking here in the book, I recommend seven to eight hours of sleep each night, while some people may claim they do well, unless even six hours of sleep a night does not prevent cumulative performance benefits. Sleep disordered breathing or sleep apnea is a condition that is estimated to affect two to four percent of middle-aged adults and even higher percentage of older people. Approximately 30 percent of those who snore regularly have this sleep disordered breathing. This condition is most often diagnosed in overweight men with a large neck circumference. Even mild sleep disordered breathing is related to an increased risk for hypertension, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and mortality. Obesity is a worldwide problem and is probably the cause of sleep disordered breathing, thus weight loss, and prevention of weight gain offer the best hope for reducing the incidence of this disorder. If snoring is an issue for you, an evaluation to rule out sleep disordered breathing at a sleep clinic near you is a good step to take. So insomnia is a special problem in the dark world of sleep deprivation, and it's a condition affecting from 9 to 19% of adults in the U.S. and Europe. The incidence of insomnia seems to increase with age and to be more common in women than men. In a 1991 Gallup survey found that insomnia had, an in, had a direct impact on the daily lives of one-third of American adults. 
Insomnia is generally described as the perception or complaint of inadequate or poor quality of sleep due to difficulty falling asleep, waking up frequently during the night with difficulty going back to sleep, waking up early in the morning, or finally and generally unrefreshing sleep. Insomnia takes a toll similar to that of sleep debt. Sufferers feel tired, lack of energy, have trouble concentrating, and are irritable. Insomnia, among 37 other variables, is the most predictive factor for absenteeism at work. As with sleep debt, the long-term toll that insomnia takes on health can be serious. Chronic insomnia is associated with an increased risk for alcohol and drug abuse, anxiety, neuroses, personality disorders, as well as dependence on sedatives, depression, diminished quality of life, and in the case of older adults with cognitive disorders, placement in long-term uh, long-term facilities. If you suffer from chronic or even in co- occasional sleep insomnia, I'll be sharing some information on how to get a good night's sleep coming up probably on Thursday because I don't think we'll get that far today. And following the, those recommendations for a good night's sleep. In addition, consult your doctor and make sure that medical problems such as angina, chronic pain, congestive heart failure, chronic lung disorders, and endocrine disorders or prescription or over-the-counter medications are not contributing to your sleep difficulty. And as we know, many of our kids are desperately in need of some sleep. Too often they're stressed both at school and at home and lots of demands on their time and little downtime. Help your kids get a good night's sleep. Learning good sleep habits early will pay off. One study found that just one hour of additional sleep restriction or extension on boys and girls in fourth or sixth grade had a considerable effect on the neurobehavioral functioning. Extension of sleep leads to the improvement of memory functions and alertness. The study concluded that most children can extend their sleep with demonstrable benefits. This has obvious implications for learning and school success. In another study on children and sleep habits, boys had trouble sleeping as toddlers were more likely to become early users of drug, of alcohol and marijuana. Don't let this strike fear into your heart. If your child is a poor sleeper, other factors could be at work in this at in at the study, it's worth knowing that healthy sleep hygiene can promote a host of beneficial effects in children, and that children suffer health consequences just as adults do when they suffer irregular um, when they suffer regular sleep deprivation. It's also significant to know that the REM or the rapid eye movement sleep is important for learning. Children who are lacking sufficient REM sleep will be at a disadvantage in the classroom. So looking for tips for adults of parents who are parents, many of them are good for babies and children as well. It's particularly important to establish a regular bedtime routine with your child. Many parents find that post-dinner bath followed by reading and quiet time 
a good prelude to a restful night's sleep. I'm going to stop there because we're at the end of our time for today. I'm going to take us off mute so that we can say goodbye to each other. I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to any thoughts or comments you may have. Tomorrow we'll have Frank with us, and I'll be back up on Thursday to share how we can get that good night's sleep. So some of the reasons why, health reasons why we should be getting a good night's sleep and some of the things we can do about it. And if somebody in your life snores, I would highly recommend going, sending them to a sleep clinic because um, that's how we were able to do- diagnose my husband's sleep apnea. And that made a huge difference in his health. If there's no other thoughts or comments. Okay, I'm back. I got a phone call. Sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. I was just going to say at the top of the hour, if we scoot over to Facebook, One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing some information on how to build a new skin business, if that's something you're interested in. And I was going to let everybody go so that we can be ready for Frank tomorrow. Woohoo! <laughs> okay, get our get our workout clothes on and keep on. And, and it's important. No matter how you feel, oh. you've got to do your exercises. Well, and not to do them too close to going to bedtime because that can actually prevent you from getting to sleep too. So it's just one of those things that's another thing to keep in mind. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, everybody, have a great day, and we'll be back here for Frank, and I'll be back on Thursday. We'll have Veronica, or not Veronica, Victoria back on Friday. I don't know why I said Veronica. I'm sorry. It's Victoria. I know Victoria does our meditations. <laughs> One of those days. Uh, I'm I'm having my moments too. Okay, you have a great day. I know you're busy and running around like to a gazillion different places. I'm sure. Actually, today's going to be a fairly quiet day, so it, I have a little bit of time to relax. This will be good. So everybody, you have a great day, and I'll probably share something about that on Thursday. Bye. Uh, Okay, bye.